I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's show, we speak with Rupert Minapache about the relationship between intraocular lens design and the development of posterior capsular opacity. As soon as the anterior capsular leaf comes into contact with the optic, this transformation causes a very firm fibrosis, which is very resistant to proliferating regeneratory cells migrating centrally. First this. You can participate in As Seen From Here by calling our listener response lines. You can ask questions of our guests or discuss the topics yourself. Listeners in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. Listeners in the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275. Messages left on the system may be included in future episodes of As Seen From Here. The listener response lines are in beta testing. You're supposed to hear a nice greeting welcoming you to the show. But for now, all that you'll hear is this. The person you're trying to reach is not available. Please leave a message after the beep. Go ahead and leave your message anyway. We'll still get it. All messages left on this system become the property of As Seen From Here. The full text of the release is available on asseenfromhere.com forward slash legal. Again, those numbers in the United States are area code 646-808-0231 and in the United Kingdom, 020-7558-8275. Be a part of the podcast. I'll repeat the numbers again at the end of the show. Posterior capsular opacity is a common sequela of cataract surgery. The condition may be treated by YAG capsulotomy, creating an aperture in the posterior capsule, but also violating the barrier between the anterior and posterior segments of the eye. Complications, like CME, may arise from this communication. Best to avoid the process entirely by minimizing the likelihood of posterior capsular opacity. Rupert Minapache has studied the effect of lens design, particularly the presence of a sharp optic edge, on the incidence of posterior capsular opacity. I asked him to describe the study. It was a randomized prospective study. Um, there were uh, 51 patients included in that. It was an intra-individual comparison. The first eye was implanted with a round and the second eye with a sharp edge optic lens or vice versa according to the randomization list. So that for each patient, one eye received a lens with a rounded edge and one eye received a lens with a sharp edge. Right. Because the individual factor has to be considered, you, you should compare lenses within one and the same patients. Rupert, can you tell me who the manufacturer of the lens was? Uh, this is a, a, a small company in Germany. It's called Dr. Schmidt, S-C-H-I-D-T, and it was recently purchased by another company called Human Optics. But at the time when we did the study, the, le- the company was called Dr. Schmidt Intraocular Lenses. The premise of the study is, is that there's the experience that a lot of us have had clinically that the Acrosoft lenses are associated with a lower incidence of PCO, and what this study 
sought to do was to separate the issue of the incidence of PCO related to the material of the lens from the incidence of PCO related strictly to the design of the lens. So your round edge lens and your, sh- and your sharp edge lens are identical in every single way except for, for the fact that one of them has a round edge and one of them has a sharp edge. That's correct. In the study, you referred to RPCO and FPCO. Um, can I have you explain what the difference is between the two? Okay. When you remove the cataract and um, leave back the capsule back, there are lens epithelial cells left in the capsule back. And there are two populations that must be separated. The first population is located on the inner aspect of the residual anterior capsule. And these cells are called the anterior lens epithelial cells. And there is another population located near the equator. And these lens, these lens epithelial cells are called equatorial cells. And these two subpopulations have different qualities. The equatorial cells tend to proliferate and migrate onto the posterior capsule and they can go beneath the optic and form out pearls. And this is called the regeneratory aftercataract or RPCO. The anterior lens epithelial cells can also migrate but not as much as the equatorial and they have an, an exquisite propensity to show myofibroblastic transformation. That is, they form myofibroblasts that contract and that deposit collagen. And this gives a rise to what we call fibrotic after cataract. What we see when we look into the eye, we see the whitening and the contraction of the anterior capsular leaf. This is the fibrotic after cataract that is formed by those anterior lens epithelial cells. The pearls that we see behind the optic, these originate from the equatorial lens epithelial cells. So we have to differentiate between those two cell types and those two different uh, forms of after cataract. Is that clear enough? Yes, certainly. There are two processes that go on after surgery, after during the, the process of healing. One of them is this myofibroblastic transdifferentiation that seals the anterior and posterior leaves of the uh, capsule uh, right up to the, the intraocular lens edge. That's not something that's going to cause symptoms for the patient. And when we're, when we're considering doing things like gag capsulotomy, it's not this myofibroblastic transdifferentiation that, that, that concerns us. What we're concerned with is the regenerative PCO, this migration of lens epithelial cells posterior uh, and, and eventually often to the visual axis, posterior to the intraocular lens. And it's this RPCO, this regenerative PCO, that causes symptoms in, in, the, in the patients. That's the indication in some patients for YAG capsulotomy. Right. It is very important to understand that these originate from two different cell populations. The fibrotic and the regeneratory after cataract originates from two different subpopulations of lens epithelial cells. In the context of this study, how did you grade PCO? The grading um, is either uh, subjective or using an objective 
a parameter. You are sure um, you are familiar with Bolton's semi-automated system, which incorporates a subjective step. We have designed a fully automated um, evaluation system that detects the entropy, the amount of disorder of pixels in a bitmap. And according to this amount of entropy or disorder, the, the after cataract is graded. And we, ha we have compared this, these findings with others, and we have seen there is a very good correlation over the whole range for this automated grading system designed here in Vienna, which is called Aqua, the automated quantification of after cataract system. This is what we have used as a fully objective way, and we also used subjective grading for uh, RPCO. And there's good correlation between the subjective grading system of PCO and the Aqua system. Yeah, we have published that. For, um, also uh, correlated that with another system uh, gen uh, invented in Germany, which is called the EPCO, uh, the EPCO grading system, and there is a very good correlation also with this. Can you explain how the Aqua system works? Yeah, it is. Um, we use a, a retro illumination photography system. Then we import these images and the software, which quantifies the entropy of the bitmap uh, automatically calculates a score, and this score is between zero, no after cataract, and 10. So there are 10 grades of severity of PCO in this system. Can I have you talk me through one of the surgeries, uh, how, how the surgery is done, and particularly what the post-operative medications are that, that you put sure. the patients on? Sure. The surgeries were done by myself in the years 1998 and 1999. At that time, I was using peribulbar anesthesia. I did a posterior limbo self-sealing tunnel incision, capsulorexis with a needle, and it was most important that the capsulorexis was well-centered and not wider than 5 millimeters to ensure that you have circumferential overlap of the optic by the anterior capsular leaf. We know from earlier studies and other observations that it is a prerequisite for the build up, building up of a barrier at the optic edge that you have an overlap between the anterior or rexus leaf and the optic edge. So after bimanual fac emulsification and uh, residual lens fiber aspiration, which is done bimanually to really remove all the residual adherent fibers from the posterior capsule. Capsular bag and anterior chamber were filled with helon and the incision slightly widened and the implant was inserted using a forcep. The implant was folded longitudinally and the leading haptic tucked within the folded aptic and released in the capsular bag. And another important point I want to mention is the aptic was tilted up and the coaxial A tips um, led behind the aptic to really totally remove all the residual helon from the retro-optical space. Then the aptic was placed back in the bag and the residual helon removed from the anterior chamber. And at the conclusion of surgery, the incisions were hydrated and the 
globe was tonicized and that was the end of the surgery. And from the day after, from the first post-operative visit on the first uh, morning, for four weeks, we administered drops four times daily. That was dexamethasone and a Voltaren, which is an enzyme product. For these 51 patients, these 102 eyes, all of whom had implanted identical silicone lenses, except for the fact, as we said, that in, for each patient, that in one eye there was a rounded edge lens and for one eye there was a sharp edge lens. Was yeah. there any difference in PCO postoperatively? The sharp edge lenses did significantly better with regard to regeneratory PCO and peripheral posterior fibrotic PCO, the one hand. And there was no difference in the ACO, anterior fibrotic after cataract formation. This is the core result of the study. Mm-hmm. And regarding the YAG laser capsulotomy rate, there was no case of laser capsulotomy in the sharp edge group, whereas there were four cases, which is not much, there were four cases in the round edge silicone lens group. The mean score in the round edge group uh, as measured by objective aqua analysis, was about 2.5 to 3, and in the sharp edge group, it was only slightly over 1. Were there any differences in the acuity postoperatively between the groups? I understand that there was a, a substantial statistical difference in the measured PCO between the uh, groups, you say here, P less than 0.001, but was there a visual difference between the two groups? No, there was no statistical significant difference after five years. However, those pairs of eyes, if you want, that uh, those patients who needed YAG laser capsulotomy in one of their eyes, in the round edge eyes, those had to be excluded. So this is a select, already a selection. And on the other hand, uh, differences in regeneratory PCO can be statistically highly significant and still there is no difference in visual acuity results. This is the case when uh, the regeneratory PCO has not reached the visual axis. Obviously, that is the case. So there are two factors. Four patients had been removed due to the necessity of YAC laser capsulotomy. That is also already a selection best cases and on the other hand in obviously in no of in no case of this residual eyes had the PC, the regeneratory PCO reached the visual axis when you say that there was no difference in acuity between the the two groups between the round edge group and the and the sharp edge group number one you're excluding those patients who are exclusively from the from the the round edge group who had to undergo YAG capsulotomy, and since they underwent YAG capsulotomy because of a, of a visual problem, had you included those, it's very likely that there would have been a difference between the uh, round edge group and the, and the sharp edge group in, in terms of vision. The second thing is, is that um, there's some very striking photographs that, that you show in the, in the paper with the round edge group where the regenerative PCO is clearly creeping towards the visual axis, but at the five-year mark hadn't quite gotten there yet. And one, one gets the sense, looking at these, at these papers, that it, it, looking at these photographs, that it's only a, a matter of a relatively short time 
that um, that the regenerative PCO is is going to reach the visual axis, and that these that these patients are ultimately going to wind up needing a capsulotomy, and that that the photographs, which I assume are representative of the uh, uh, groups for the sharp edge group, uh, show much less of this this migration towards the uh, towards the visual axis. So it's it's it it makes sense to to me looking at these photographs why there could be a substantial difference in the grading objectively and also by the ophthalmologist of the PCO between the the, uh, groups without there having a significant impact on the patient's vision yet. Correct, which is especially evident in the upper patient, right? There's there's an interesting point that that you make. One of my own biases uh, with regard to intraocular lenses has been towards using the Acrosoft lens. One of the points that you make is the advantage of silicone lenses in engendering myofibroblastic transdifferentiation. And I'd like you to, to explain in a little bit of detail why we want this myofibroblastic transdifferentiation okay. and what, how, how it works for us. Okay. I have studies that support the importance of this myofibroblastic transformation and fibrosis. I have recently submitted uh, a study where I used another parameter. I ha- used the same type of lens. It was a silicone lens with a round edge at that time. And the only factor that I varied was polishing. One eye was polished and the other eye was not polished. Polishing means abrasion of the anterior LECs from the rexis leaf. This uh, lens epithelial cells, LECs. Right. So this, in this study, we only varied the edge design. In this other study, we varied the capsular surgery. One eye was treated as normal, and the other eye was polished. The lenses were exactly the same, also regarding the optic edge, right? After three years, the eyes that I had polished had highly significantly more after cataract formation than those eyes that I had not polished. Why do I quote this? This shows that the anterior LEC population which mediates fibrosis is very important in building up and maintaining this barrier at the optic edge. If you remove these cells or if you use an and a lens optic material that has a lower catalyzing effect on this myofibroblastic transformation because what happens is as soon as the anterior capsular leaf comes into contact with the optic, this transformation starts and it's catalyzed by the optic material. And different optic materials have different potential of myofibroblastic impact or trans, uh, of impact on myofibroblastic transformation. This showed me that it is very important that fibrosis can form. If we go back to the different, if, if we do not polish and if we use different optic materials and otherwise same design lenses, this has been also investigated in another study. What we have seen when you do not polish and you use two lenses that have more or less exactly the same design but just 
the different optic material. We have now three results with these studies. And we can see that the silicone lenses have lower PCO than the hydrophobic acrylic lenses. This is a study with uh, AMO material, AMO lenses, acrylic, and silicone. And these have very similar designs. So silicone, due to its propensity to induce myofibroblastic transformation of anterior lens epithelial cells cause a very firm fibrosis which is very resistant to breakup of, the, of this barrier later on when the regeneratory after cataract tries to invade the retrolental space because the collagen deposition which is the effect of myofibroblastic transformation is a very strong glue along the optic edge. You can see that with a slit. It cannot be broken up by the proliferating regeneratory cells migrating centrally. Whereas acrylics have a lower potential to induce this myofibroblastic transformation. And, and with these, the, the barrier at the optic edge is, is easier broken up by these proliferating cells than with those seen uh, with silicon lenses. So what the silicone lenses do is, is that they, they catalyze this, this process whereby the anterior and posterior leaves of the, of the lens capsule fuse and produce a very distinct collagen barrier right at the, at the lens edge. And this barrier impedes the migration of the posterior lens epithelial cells from getting posterior to the right. intraocular lens and causing, uh, causing visual symptoms. Uh, what happens when you implant the lens? You have, for the first one or two weeks, the capsular bag is open, okay? And then from the periphery, the two capsules start gluing together, sealing, capsular sealing. And then you have, after three months, you have a sealed capsular bag. You can follow the sealing line around the optic and the haptics. The sealing line is the border between the sealed peripheral capsular leaves and the open central part of the capsular bag. Okay? Sure. Then, after one, two, three years, if you watch what happens is from the very periphery of the capsular bag, regeneratory after cataract starts growing and it slowly goes centrally. And at a certain point, it meets the optic edge. And then it can reopen the ceiling at the, at, at, the, at the optic edge and reverse the bending effect. As soon as the bending is reversed, the lens can enter the retrolental space. It very much depends upon the fibrotic, the collagenous gluing of the, along the optic edge. If those cells are able to reopen the capsular bag or if they cannot reopen it. And if you have firm fibrosis, this is a very strong barrier. It makes it permanent, cannot be reopened. Whereas if you have, for example, hydrophilic material lenses, which do not induce much fibrosis, with these lenses you have a high rate of after cataract because these cells can reopen the capsular back, what I have termed the so-called secondary barrier failure. I've described that in a book chapter, in a recently published book, all these uh, dynamics of after cataract and capsular bending and, and reopening. 
So it's your sense that the reason that the sharp edge lens helps to prevent the migration of the posterior lens epithelial cells is, is that it, it creates a, a little bowl, a little bend, a little crease or a fold in the in the posterior capsule, but that without the the additional advantage of this myofibroblastic trans differentiation, this laying down of a collagen barrier at the at the lens edge, that eventually. That, um, that that if you don't have that 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 collagen barrier, that eventually the the advantage of the of the sharp edge lens is is lost as these posterior uh, lens epithelial cells force their their uh, way past this sharp edge barrier, and that's what you're referring to as a secondary barrier failure. Correct. Uh, the importance of fibrosis is also seen, by, also shown by the fact that. In this study, even with the round-edged lenses, you have a very low Yagle rate, which is very low, four cases out of 52. That means the importance of fibrosis cannot be underestimated. It is the, 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 the design of the optic edge is important, but also the fibrosis gives a very strong barrier effect by itself. Has this study changed the way that, that you that you practice? I mean, are, are there are there things that you're doing now as a result of uh, of of these findings that you weren't doing previously? Only to a certain degree. I have been implanting silicone lenses for a very long time. I've watched this fibrotic behavior of this lens, and I have inferred for a long time that this fibrosis has a positive effect on hindering. Uh, lens epithelial cells to form out pearls to reach the retrolental space. But it has very much um, assured me that silicone lenses, especially with a sharp edge, are excellent implants with regard to the aftercataract performance. And uh, we have also uh, published in ophthalmology recently a comparative study between the Acrisoft three-piece lens and the Pharma CA 911 three-piece lens, one is the hydrophobic acrylic and the other is silicone. And in this study, after three years, the silicone lens did as good and better than the Acrisoft. This is all proof what I'm more and more convinced of, that silicone lenses may be the best implants regarding long-term aftercataract performance. Due to that fact, silicone lenses are my standard lenses still. Silicone as a lens material has come under pressure during the last years. And uh, I think the reason is not an objective one. The reason is simply that when the Acrisoft lens entered the market, primarily everybody thought it was a specific, it was due to the new material that PCO was lower. Nobody was looking at a sharp edge at that day. And it took quite a while uh, to understand that the sharp edge of this lens was the primary, the primary factor why this lens uh, was performing so well. And secondly, that maybe this sharp posterior edge may be the decisive factor for this good performance. Silicone had been condemned somehow, but it should become clear from recent scientific work that... Um, it is primarily the sharp edge that makes the PCO performance, and that silicone as a material may even enhance long-term 
barrier performance of an implant better than any other material, be it hydrophobic or hydrophilic acrylic. And I hope that people look at this at these objective studies and understand that silicone is a very good product and that silicone will have uh, a better time in the future. Rupert, thank you very much. Thank you. Tschüss. Tschüss. Have a good time in New York. Thanks a lot. Okay, bye-bye. Rupert Minipache is Professor of Ophthalmology and Director of the Intraocular Lens Service at the Medical University of Vienna. His paper, Long-Term Efficacy, of adding a sharp posterior optic edge to a three-piece silicone intraocular lens on capsular opacification, five-year result of a randomized study, appears in the April 2005 American Journal of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Minapache or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. Call our listener response lines. In the United States, dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom, dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. These numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.